Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor. We're so grateful that you guys are here, whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're watching online. We're grateful to have you. And our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. Um, and one of the ways that we, uh, we want to help you grow in your faith in Jesus is by doing surveys uh, every once in a while. So we're going to actually do a survey today. So if you have your phones, go ahead and get it out. Right now, I know some of you are like, I don't bring my phone to church, and I love that about you. But today, I need you to, uh, and you can either sca uh, scan the QR code up there, or if you're like, I don't know how to scan a QR code, then there's the website. Uh, and everybody, let's go to it together. Uh, I'm going to walk us through it. And the reason why we do uh, surveys, uh, and stay with me, don't like complete it real fast because I got one I got to highlight. Uh, but the reason why we do surveys is because we say uh, we're not a church. Our, our job as a church is not to feed you. It's to make you hungry and then resource you so you can feed yourself and grow in your faith. And so we want to do that the best way possible. And a survey helps us identify how we're doing, what we could do better at. So once you get that up, uh, if you're a T-Mobile fan, it'll be later on today. Uh, but everybody else, uh, go ahead and uh, you can put in your name and your email address. And then we asked this question, in the last four months, I have. Skip that for one second. Drop down to the next one because last service, like 70 people uh, completed the survey before I got to this question. So you, some of you are just super fast. Uh, th there's a question that says, I like info on how to read the Bible class. Uh, here's the deal. We're going to do a class starting next week for four weeks taught by our pastors. I'm teaching week two, uh, and we're going to be doing it during this service. So if you come to this service, then uh, come to the 9 o'clock and then go to the class. And the class is, how do I read the Bible? You know, we have a lot of questions about, like, how do, how do I know I could trust the Bible? How is it formed? Uh, what translations should I have? How do I study it? How do I read it? Like, why is it purposeful to my life? You know, those types of things. We're going to just address all of those. So if you want more information, it's not you signing up, but if you want more information about the class, check yes to that or no. You have to check one of the two. All right, now go up. In the last four months, I have read the Bible more than the previous four months. So if you're like, I'm reading the Bible more now than I was, say, back in December, uh, then check that box. If not, no worries. Don't check the box. Uh, this is not a judgment. This is us figuring out how we can better serve you. Number two, utilize the message series hubs to grow in my faith. We talk about those every week. That's a, something to read we give you, some, a podcast to listen to or a video to watch, help you go deeper with the messages that we do here on Sunday. So if you've utilized that in any way, check that. Uh, maybe you've engaged in community. Maybe you've gone to a group or class or you went to a men's event or a women's event or next step, something like that. Check that. Next one, taking a step in my generosity. We have this uh, giving ladder. Yeah, we, if you've gone from nothing to something, something to significant, significant to tithe, tithe to sacrificial, check that box. Uh, number uh, whatever, uh, served in an area of the church. So if you've served at all, not if you started serving, but if you've served in any capacity in the last four months, check that. Taking a step in my prayer life. We did a 21-day fast at the beginning of the year. We, uh, we asked everybody to fast and pray for the, the week leading up to Easter. So if you did any of those or if you feel like, man, I'm just growing in my, my prayer life, uh, check that. And if none of the above, then check none of the above. Uh, and then how would you rate yourself and your growth over the last four months? That's a scale of one to ten. One, like, oh, not so great. Ten, like, I'm Jesus. You know, so whichever one uh, is you. Uh, and then lastly, how can I be praying for you? Uh, we, we, we love to pray for you guys. We pray every Tuesday as a staff collectively, but then individually we pray for you guys. So if you have any prayer requests, uh, put those right there and then hit submit. And that will help us uh, with just serving you guys and providing the right resources and the right next steps and all of that. 
Uh, okay, I'm excited about today, about the, the conversation that we're going to have. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was in a, a, an airport, and this guy next to me, uh, we were waiting for our flight. The guy next to me was really, really loud. You ever been beside somebody that you're like, bro, do you know how loud you're talking right now? This guy knew how loud he was talking because he was actually on the phone covering up his mouth, thinking that that was actually going to help him, but it echoed. And so he just was yelling, and he was, he was complaining about a guy he had just met on his last flight. Now, what was he complaining about, you ask? Maybe, maybe the guy had bad odor. No. Maybe the guy was rude and inconsiderate to other, other people. No. Maybe the guy was loud on his phone and obnoxious. No. He was complaining. He was like, can you believe that this guy, he introduced himself to me, and then he started asking me questions like, hey, man, what do you do? Hey, tell me a little bit about your family. Like, he was being nice to me. This guy literally said that. And I was like, I wasn't trying to like barge into his conversation, but I'm like, bro, you got problems. So what I do? I was like, hey, man, my name is Ernest. How you doing? <laughs> but I, I like took a step back for a moment. I'm like, man, like where are we at in our society where kindness is an annoyance? Like where we start to complain about people being kind and asking us questions and all of that. What's well, that mentality that Jesus hits on in the parable that we're going to look at today? Right now we're in a series called Stories of a Kingdom where we're looking at the parables that Jesus taught. A parable is a short story that speaks truth, uh, kind of like the, uh, the little boy who cried wolf. That's a modern day parable. Jesus did not teach that one, by the way. Uh, and so Jesus teaches these parables, and when he's teaching them, he's trying to teach us three things. One, he's teaching us about the kingdom of God, a truth about the kingdom of God. The second thing, he's te teaching us a truth about God's character. And the third thing is he's teaching us what we are to do. Like how we're now to change or to implement something in our lives based on this story. The one we're going to look at today is probably the most famous parable that, uh, that he taught. Uh, it's the one that you've probably heard at some point or somebody's quoted or referenced at some point. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. Uh, and I'm going to set it up for us, but uh, I do want to remind you we have that message series hub like we just talked about. You can scan the QR code on your worship guide. Or you can just go to frontrange.org, and you can get the, the message series hub that way as well. And that will give you just some resources to go a little bit deeper in understanding parables or these particular parables uh, that we're teaching on. So Luke chapter 10, let me set it up. There's an expert in the law, as the Bible calls him. Another translation says a lawyer. So this lawyer comes to Jesus, and he says, hey, Jesus, what do I need to do to receive eternal life? That's a pretty good question. I mean, to, you know, probably all of us at some point have been like, man, how do we like get saved or, or how do we live eternally or, or whatever? And so that's the question this guy's asking. And Jesus says, well, you're a lawyer. What does the law say? And the guy says, well, the law says to love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is like, okay, go do it. And then the guy says, well, hold on a minute. I, I, I've, got a, I've got another question. And this is where we pick up with it. Luke chapter 10, verse 29 says, but he, meaning the lawyer, wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So he's, he knows that like, he probably maybe not is living out that command to love your neighbor as yourself the way that God intends it to be, so he's trying to justify his actions. Have you ever done that before? Like, oh, well, I'm doing this while everybody else is doing it. Or I'm not as bad as other people. Or what I'm doing or how I think isn't as bad as so-and-so. And we try to justify. Well, Jesus is going to directly hit this self-justification. Look at the next verse, verse 30. He says, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. 
So Jesus says, hey, there's this guy going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, it's on this 18-mile route. Uh, the route is still there today. Here's a picture of it, actually. Um, and it's a, a place that is so rocky and so barren that robbers were known to sit and wait on people to pass by. And then when they would come by, they would beat them up, uh, strip them of everything that they had, and leave them to die. Uh, it was so bad that this, this road was called the Bloody Road. So it had that nickname because that was kind of what people were used to. So this guy gets beat up on the road. He's left there to die. Now imagine what would you do? Like if you came across this person on this road, what would your response be? I think most of us would like to think, well, I would take care of him. I would like help him out. I'd figure out what's going on and how I can meet his needs and all of that. But, but I'm not sure we can say that unless we're put into the situation. I, earlier this week, my wife and I, we were talking about a, a news report that we saw that this kid was shot, and he went to three different homes before finally somebody helped him out. And as we were talking about that, we were like, what? Like, is humanity that bad? Or maybe, like, people weren't home. Or maybe they were just really busy, or, or whatever the case, because surely people didn't see him and then go, ah, I can't help you out. But what if that person came on my porch? What if it came to my house? Like, what if a person ended up shot in the head, bloody, all over my porch, what would I do? I would like to think, man, I'll help them out. But my mind's probably going to start to ask a lot of questions, like, where's the person that shot them? Are they still after him? Or maybe this guy's the perpetrator. Maybe, he, he, maybe somebody was just defending himself, and I don't want this guy coming into my house. And I would probably start asking these questions, so I don't know what I would actually do. I'd like to think I'd be the guy who would come in and rescue the person and help him and all of that. But until you're in that situation, I'm not sure if we know what we would do. So Jesus is saying, here's the situation, what would you do? Then Jesus continues, verse 31. He says, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So a priest, one who works in the temple, one who administers the worship in the temple. So in today's context, it would be a pastor. It would be me. So I'm walking down the road, and I see the guy, and I'm like, mm-mm, not messing with that. Jesus continues, verse 32, so to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Who's a Levite? A Levite is somebody from the tribe of Levi, uh, and he was a person who would assist the priests in the temple. So he was a part of helping make sure that church functioned and worked. Modern day context, our dream team members. So many of you are dream team members here at our church, and they were saying, hey, a dream team member comes upon this guy. He's like, mm-mm, not messing with that. Now these two guys that Jesus mentions, they're, they're, they have high status in this society. I mean, as the listeners are listening to this parable, they must be thinking, but hold on, these two guys, like, they're the best of the best. Like, you can't get higher than a priest or a Levite. So they're probably starting to justify in their head uh, why they chose what they chose to do in walking past the guy. Some scholars say, well, the priest and the Levite, they were actually, they were on that road because they were coming from the temple. So they were actually coming from church. Right? Like they had just, you know, came together and, and worshiped God. They had, they had just preached a sermon or listened to a sermon be preached. They just talked about how do we love people well? How do we show people God's love? And here they are walking around this guy. The audience is probably thinking, but hold on, there's, there's probably some like reasons there, right? Maybe they were just busy. I mean, they've had a long day. They've, they, they've been busy at church and all of that. Or maybe they're tired. They're just trying to get home to their family. Or if you look in the Old Testament, the law says that um, if, you, if you touch a bloody body, then you become unclean. So they didn't want to become unclean. So, you know, there's probably some justification there. But remember, Jesus is trying to hit this self-justification within this parable. Take a look at verse 33. He says, but a Samaritan... 
as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. So a Samaritan comes along. We read that and we just continue on with the story. It's not a big deal. It's just another person in the story. But the audience hears that and they go, hold on. You're going to insert a Samaritan in the story? Like, Jesus, what are you doing? Are you trying to make us angry and mad? You see, Jews and Samaritans, they hated each other. In the eyes of the Jews, you had, you had kind of a, a, a pecking order. The Jewish people were the highest level of people, God's chosen people. Then underneath them, uh, pretty, pretty far underneath them, but underneath them you had uh, the, the Gentiles. You had pagans and secular people like most of us. And then underneath them, at the very bottom of this totem pole, you had the Samaritans. They were the least of the least. They were half-breeds. They were half-Jewish and half-other countries. Like they weren't even purely God's people. They hated each other. The Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans hated the Jews, and they fought all the time. The, the Samaritans tried to uh, make it very clear that you can worship God in their temple. You didn't have to go to Jerusalem to worship God, and this angered the Jews. Not only that, but in 9 AD, the Samaritans, uh, they said, okay, well, we're going to kind of get back at you for how you've treated us over the years. So they took some bones, most scholars say animal bones, and they spread them in the temple during Passover, during the most holy week of the Jewish year. I mean, this was like asking for a war. Not only that, they, the, the Samaritans, they would do things to just try to, just try to mess with the minds of the Jews. Uh, every New Year, the, the Jewish people, they would light these huge candles that you could see for miles and miles around. So they would light these candles and say, hey, it's a New Year. Well, every once in a while, throughout the year, the Samaritans would just randomly light candles just to make the Jews be like, hey, wait a second. It's not New Year's. Is it New Year's? I don't think it's New Year's. It was just bickering back and forth. They were constantly fighting, kind of like my kids. It's like constant. The other day, my wife and I were driving, and we stopped, and we were like, do you guys ever get tired? Like, do you all ever get tired of fighting with each other? I'm sure God's looking at the Samaritans and Jews and are like, do you all ever get tired of fighting with each other? Jesus puts the Samaritan right in the story. This is the climate that he's speaking this parable into. And Jesus not only puts a Samaritan in the story, he makes the Samaritan the hero of the story. I'm going to repeat that again. I want you to gasp. I want to hear an audible gasp, all right? Jesus not only puts a Samaritan in the story, but he makes the Samaritan the hero of the story. Wow, y'all pretty good. That was pretty good. Some of y'all might want to check your breathing a little bit later. Sounded, sounded bad. Um, he puts him as the hero this Samaritan, what does he do? He bandages, bandages up his wounds. He puts the guy on his own donkey, walks him to an inn to be taken care of. He pays for everything. And then he tells the innkeeper, hey, I've got to go do some other business. When I come back, if you spend any more money, I'll pay for it all. He's the hero. And Jesus closes it out with this. He says, which of these three, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law, this lawyer, replies, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The Samaritan is such a disgusting person that even in his great kindness here, this lawyer can't say who he is. Like Jesus says, hey, which of the three was a neighbor? And the guy can't say it was the Samaritan. Like that's how much hatred they had toward Samaritans. He just says, oh, it was the one, the one who showed him kindness. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Now, what's the point 
of this parable? Is the point of this parable to shame the lawyer? No. Is the point to say, hey, uh, uh, Samaritans are better than Jews? No. Jesus teaches this parable to teach us three things. The first one is this. In the kingdom, love has no boundaries. In the kingdom, love has no boundaries. I mean, to love like a Samaritan would have been scandalous. But true love has no boundaries. Now, side note, real quick. What I'm not saying is that if you have a toxic person in your life, don't put up boundaries. You have to put up boundaries with toxic people. There are toxic people in my life, and I have very strong boundaries between me and them. But I can still love them. I might have to be creative. I might have to do it from a distance, but I can still love them. Jesus is saying, don't put up, he's not saying don't put up boundaries with toxic people. He's saying your love should never have boundaries. It's kind of like, like my collection of baseball cards. Anybody collect baseball cards when they were younger? Maybe some of you, maybe some of you still do. Uh, I, that man, I loved collecting baseball cards. I've got thousands and thousands of baseball cards uh, that, that I've collected over the years. Now, I haven't collected any since I was 11 years old, okay? So I'm going to take you back into the, the mind of 11-year-old Ernest. Uh, this is my favorite card of all time. It is a Jose Canseco rookie card. Wow, four of you know, no, no one last service knew who Jose Canseco was. I remember trading seven cards for this card, and at the time, it was worth $36. About six months later, it jumped up to $117. That's right. I was rich. I was really rich. It's worth like 17 cents now, but who cares? That's my favorite one. I got a, I got a rookie uh, Shaquille O'Neal card. I know it's not baseball, but it's a card anyways. I got John Elway. Uh, this proves that I was a Broncos fan when I was really little uh, because all I wanted was John Elway stuff. Uh, I was uh, like nine years old when I got that. I got a Hank Aaron card. This was worth some money right here. I'm not showing you everything that I've got because I don't want to be jumped after service. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know my audience, so I got to be careful. I got a Daryl Strawberry rookie card. I mean, I got all kinds of cards, and then I've got all these other cards as well that I have in here. I mean, uh, you know, I, do you remember uh, Ricky Botolico? No, I don't either. I don't even know if I probably didn't say his name right. Or, or, or Mike Gallego. You remember him? No. Right? Like I got a bunch of cards that, that they're, they're bent up on the side and, and they're, they're like they would be worth absolutely nothing. But these other cards, the cards that are worth something, they're in different cases. I've got some cards that are in like these, these flexible cases. Like I've got this uh, Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. Okay, this worth some money. The problem is, is Sammy Sosa's on the back, and they're stuck together now uh, because I didn't properly put them in the right case. So it's a little, uh, uh, a little flexible card. My, my, uh, my John Elway card is in a snap case. Okay, that was a pretty good one. But my Jose Canseco one, you got to have a screwdriver to get into this thing. Like that's how valuable it is. You see, I, I place value on these things based on who the person was or uh, based on the, the condition of the card, right? Some cards are valuable and some are not. Some cards, they're in great condition. Some are in poor condition. I think we treat people the same way. I think when we look at people, we give some people value and other people have no value. When we look at certain people, we say, man, that person's in good condition that person somebody that I can be friends with or, you know, I can be in a relationship with or whatever, and that person is not in good condition. And we treat them based on the condition or the value that we put on them. And Jesus is saying, in the kingdom, love has no boundaries. In fact, what I've said about this parable before is that the question that the, the lawyer asks is, he says, uh, who is my neighbor? The question that Jesus wants us to ask 
is what type of neighbor am I? The question shouldn't be who is my neighbor. The question should be what type of neighbor am I? Like, do I allow my love for others to have boundaries? Now, what I'm not saying is that having, uh, love having no boundaries means that you just agree and accept everything that everybody does and says. No, that's crazy. Okay, and we, we live in a crazy society with a lot of crazy ideas and stuff. I'm not saying you just accept everything and you just believe what other people believe. I'm not saying that. I am saying that no matter the creed, no matter the race, no matter the orientation, no matter what, whatever label you want to put on it, our love should have no boundaries. In the kingdom, there are no boundaries to God's love and our love for others. The second truth that Jesus is trying to, to teach us, and it's one about who he is and the character of God, is that Jesus lived what he preached. Jesus didn't just teach this principle. He wasn't just like, hey, guys, go love other people really well. He practiced it. He lived this out. I mean, he touched the unclean. He loved the unlovable. He forgave the woman caught in adultery. He met and talked to the Samaritan woman, which was scandalous back then. You couldn't do that, Jesus. You can't do that, and yet he did. Why? Because the theology of this parable mirrors the life and teachings of Jesus. The, the, the theology of this parable mirrors his life and his actions. You have someone who finds a person who is in need. You have pity on them. You bandage their wounds. You bring healing to them. It's exactly what Jesus did for us. That's exactly what Jesus did for you and I. I mean, he saw you and I in our brokenness, in our sin, and he had pity on us. Not the pity that we like to think of, like, oh, man, so sorry you're like that, but like a brokenness to his heart. Like, man, I love you so much that I'll do anything to bandage your wounds and bring healing. And so God did exactly that. In God's great love for you and I, when we deserve the, the penalty of death because of our sin, God paid that penalty. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. This is the gospel message. The parable of the, great, uh, of the good Samaritan is not just, hey, be a better person. That's not just the lesson. The lesson is also what this guy did is exactly what God does for us. He rescues us. And there's some of us today, just like last service, maybe we're in here, maybe we're watching online. We'd go, man, I, I feel like I'm the guy on the side of the road. Like, I'm the person that's broken and beat up and left, hopeless. And I want you to know that God sees you. God knows your name. God knows your story. He knows what you've been through. And he's not judging you on your past or going, ah, you're too far. You're too far from me. Make some changes in your life, then come to me. He's saying, just come. Like he's right there on the side of the road with you, bandaging up your wounds and wanting to bring healing to your life. He did that by dying on the cross for you. And all we have to do is receive what he's done. Receive this great gospel message. Jesus lived what he preached. And we serve a God who looks for the broken, bandages and heals them. And he didn't just do it in this story, he does it for us today. And then lastly, this parable, what does it teach us to do? It teaches us, look at, look at verse 37, the, the last part. It says, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So what is ours to do? Go and do likewise. 
The parable demands action on our part. This isn't just a parable that's like, hey, what did, what did this good Samaritan do? Oh, man, he loved well and all of that. Oh, that's good. If you'll just love well, if you'll just, if you'll just say you love people. No, no, no. It demands action. You can't just say you love somebody. You have to show them. Say show. You have to show them through your actions that you love. Like it's not enough just to say, oh, we should love all people. And, and I do. I, I love everybody, Ernest. How do you show it? How do you show it? You see, Jesus is teaching these religious leaders, these people that are very involved in church, they get it. They understand it. They can, they can recite the commandment to you and I. Jesus says, hey, hey, Jesus says, it's not enough for you just to go to the temple and for you to hear a sermon preached, for you to be able to recite the Shema. It's not enough. In current context, it's not enough just to go to church, sing a few songs, maybe go to a community group. It's not enough. You have to show love. So if the ultimate question of this parable is not who is my neighbor, but rather what kind of neighbor am I? The answer to that question should be I'm an intentional neighbor. It's one of our core values as a church, intentional neighboring. What does that mean? It means looking for people, looking for needs, and then being willing as a human, but more importantly as a follower of Jesus, to meet those needs. We've had this value since day one of our church. It's one of the things that we teach at Next Steps. Pastor Brandon just talked about we have Next Steps tonight. If you've never been to Next Steps, we'd love to invite you. Please come. You can hear a little bit more about the church. You can hear about where we've been, where we feel like we're going. We walk through our values and all of that. We'll provide food. If you've got kids, we provide childcare. Uh, the, the, the Avalanche won last night, so we don't have to worry about them playing tonight. The Nuggets will be done by the time they tip off, so you'll be good there. So there's no excuse. So if you've never been, please come. But one of the things we talk about is this idea of intentional neighboring. The idea that you and I are called to look for needs and then meet those needs. So how do we do that? We've given you a very practical way. There's these uh, love and action cards on every seat. If you didn't see it on your seat, uh, you're sitting on it at this point. If you'll just take this, and my challenge to you is this. What if every one of us, what if every one of us in our church took this this week and did something practically to show somebody love and then just left this or gave it to them? We challenged you guys to do this a few months back. I think it was like early December. I remember one of our high school students, she reached out to me. She said, hey, I want to let you know that I did this. I don't know if it was Starbucks or Chick-fil-A, something like that. And she said it was crazy because there was just a train then after that point. The, one of the baristas or one of the cashiers said, hey, what you started kept going for multiple cars. That's contagious generosity. Like people want to show love. People want to be generous. We just don't always know how. We kind of get caught up in our own stuff every day. This is just one way for us to get outside of ourselves and go, how can I show somebody else God's love? How can I show somebody the same love that God showed me through doing something practical for them? So take this card. Next time you're at Chick-fil-A or if you go do something for a neighbor or whatever, just give the card to the cashier and say, will you give this to the car behind me? Or just leave it wherever you're at or do something for somebody with kindness and just say, I just want you to know your love. This little, this little card is super cool because it just tells people that the reason why we did this is because Jesus showed us the greatest love. So it's just kind of an opportunity to evangelize a little bit, to share our faith a little bit. Will you do that with, with me this week? Will you take this challenge with me this week? You see, which one was the neighbor? The one who looked for the need, 
The one who decided that they weren't too busy, they didn't have too much going on, they created margin enough to stop and go, I can meet this need right now. And they did it. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you for your word. I thank you so much for this parable and how much it's transformed me over the years. How it's challenged me to be a better man, a better neighbor, a better friend, a better community member, ultimately a better follower of you. So God, I pray that we would be people who have no boundaries on our love. That we love everyone no matter what they believe or what they do, but we still love them. For those that we need to put up boundaries because it's toxic, let us know how to do that, but still how to love them, even from a distance. God, I pray that we would follow the example you set for us, that we would go and do likewise. We would show other people your love, but God, I know that really the start of this conversation, the foundation of being able to go and love people well is first receiving your love. Every single service, God, we have people who walk through these doors or who are watching online who maybe we can admit, you know what, I, I feel more like the guy on the side of the road that was beat up. Maybe life's been hard. Maybe you feel rejected. Maybe you feel like God hasn't seen you. Or there hasn't been the kindness of God in your life lately. You feel dejected, lost, broken, alone. I want you to know that God sees you. And he not only sees you, but he did something about it. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. So you could have new life. So you could be forgiven. So you could have eternal peace. So you could have hope that's never fading. And if that's you, you've walked into this place, or you're watching online, you'd say, man, come to this place, I felt far from the Lord. Right now, God is saying, just come home. What does that mean? It means receiving what Jesus has done for you. It's committing your life to Christ or recommitting your life to Christ. If that's what you want to do right now in this moment with every head bowed, eyes closed, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want you to raise a hand. If that's you, I just want you to raise a hand so I know who to pray for. Amen. 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 Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. If you're watching at home, you can just simply text the word follow to the number on the screen. And I want you to know that our God sees you. Even if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I didn't raise my hand, but this decision I'm making today, God sees you. He knows your heart. The Bible tells us that in this moment, when you give your life to Christ, when you are recommitting your life to Jesus, that even the angels are rejoicing in this moment, we rejoice with you. I want you to know that our God sees you and loves you. And he will bandage your wounds and bring healing and hope and life. And then, God, for all of us, tell us what, ours, what is ours to do now. God, help us to love people well. Not just the people who look like us or act like us or believe like us, but, God, put people in our lives that are very different than us. Do it on purpose, Father. Push us outside of our comfort zone so that we will love well like you love us well. Tell us what to do now in Jesus' name. Amen.